You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Kino here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast. This episode is all about my journey to strength and the lessons I learned on the mat and how those translated into being stronger in my everyday life. I always say that you need to be strong enough to believe in your dreams and to be willing to put in the work, whatever that work is, no matter how long it takes. I was not naturally strong when I started the practice. So if you're inspired by my handstands or my lift-ups, this is a great episode for you to listen to so that you can be inspired to put in the work, no matter how long it takes, whatever it takes. Hey everyone, it's Kino here. Welcome to the Yoga Inspiration podcast and video series. In this episode, I'm going to share with you a little bit about my journey into strength, and I'm going to relate it back to one of the key teachings of the yoga philosophy on, that you'll find in the Yoga Sutras. When I first started the practice, I was not naturally strong. You may find that hard to believe because if you watch some of my videos or check out some of the things that I share online, I really love to share and post and teach about strength poses. The reason for that is because it was so much a part of my journey. The whole transition from coming into the practice and not being able to lift up, not being able to even do a push-up, not being able to understand what it meant to balance on my head or anything like that was really the essence of one of the biggest lessons that I've learned in the practice. So I was never a dancer, I was never a gymnast, never on a sports team, never anything physical before yoga. The first time I tried to do a headstand was so disastrous that I kicked the person who was helping me so hard because I had this idea that my body was huge and that I needed to kick really hard to get it upside down. And that was the delusion that I carried with me for a long time. And I think it's a delusion that many people have. They think my body's too big to lift up. My arms are too short. My butt is too big. You may feel like that yourself. And if you do, I can tell you that I felt like that too. And that if you start practicing today, you'll find so much more strength than you ever imagined possible. So here I was, brand new to yoga, desperately trying to stand on my head, kicking up to walls, toppling over. It took me a year to balance on my head, falling over every single day. Then when I started to do the forearm balance, again, I toppled over, kicked people really hard, thought my legs were too big, my arms were too short. Took me two years of consistent practice before I was able to balance. Then when I started to do handstands, it was even more intense. I battled my own demons of doubt, my own feelings of insecurity, and I toppled over for five years before I balanced in my first handstand. That's a big journey. It's eight years altogether if you add it all up. And what I'm here to tell you today is that the journey of strength is for you if you start today and keep practicing. 
Those voices of doubt, they're always there, and you can listen to them at any moment of your life. It's almost like you have a choice to believe in those voices of doubt, the demons of doubt that pop their heads up and say, you can't, you can't, you can't. Or you can choose to have the strength it takes to believe in yourself, even if you're the only one who does. Now, when I first started practicing, there weren't so many people that I could look to that had a body like mine. All the people who could do all of those powerful strength-based movements when I first started the practice, they kind of looked like they were gymnasts and they were mostly strong guys. And well, I'm not a strong guy, as you can see. And I always thought, well, hey, maybe it's not for me. And I remember asking many people who could do all of those powerful lift-ups, hey, how do you do that? And the response I got was always really basic, like you inhale and you go up. And I remember thinking that was so frustrating because I felt like I'm inhaling, I really am, but I'm not going up. So what else is there? And I looked and looked for someone who looked like me, who was my size and my shape, who could do those powerful movements that I was really desperately trying to do. I didn't find anyone. And this is one of the reasons why I believe that representation in yoga is so important because when you can see someone that you identify with whose size, shape, ethnicity resonates with you, then you can see them and say, hey, well, if this person can do it, maybe I can too. If the yoga practice is only presented as one image and it's a sort of image of a particular style and shape of body and that you have to conform to that or you won't do it, well, then yoga becomes exclusionary and then you feel like, I can't do it, it's not for me. So I started my journey of strength thinking, I really wanna do this. I met the voices of doubt over and over again. My biggest voices of doubt were, Kino, you were never a dancer, you were never a gymnast. You started this late in life. And I took my first yoga class when I was 19, so it really wasn't that late in life. But I remember thinking, you never had any training, how are you gonna do this? Then that voice of doubt came up, your arms are too short. Your arms are just too short. You'll never, you'll never really lift up. You know, your butt is just too big. Your thighs are too thick to lift up. Sometimes I even got the voice of doubt mirrored back to me from helpful people in the world. I remember one time that I was practicing and I was trying to do one of these really challenging arm balances and a, a person who was in the practice space uh, came up to me and said, hey, Kino, I think maybe you should stop trying this because you know your legs are so big and your arms are so small. I don't think you'll ever do this. Why don't you just quit? What came up for me in that moment was kind of this feeling of, I almost want to say anger because I felt like, who are you to tell me I can't, number one. Number two, there was this kind of quiet strength that I felt stirring inside of me and this little voice that said, yes, I can. And I learned in retrospect that that voice of faith is the seed of true strength. The voice that says, yes, I can. Yes, I can show up. Yes, I can do this. It doesn't matter that I was never a dancer. It doesn't matter that I'm in my 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, however old you are, it doesn't matter. It's the voice that says, yes, I can. And that seed of faith is rooted in a deep sense of self-worth because it's as though you say to yourself, I believe that I'm worth trying. I believe I'm worth it. And that's something I really, really had to learn. So while having the voice of my own doubt reflected back to me through the voice of a fellow practitioner, teacher of yoga was kind of frustrating, even a little irritating, I'm grateful for it all these years down the road because I was able to see that seed of my own faith that rose up against that 
uh, you know, that contrary voice of doubt that said, no, you should stop, just take it easy, let that go. That voice of strength rose up within me and said, yes, I can. And I did. It just took a long time. So the second thing to understand about your journey into strength is that it's not easy. It's not going to snap your fingers and boom, you lift up into handstand. You are going to have to work for it. So my question to you is, do you want to work for it? If I told you that from today, your journey of strength would take you two years, practice every day, put all your heart and all your soul into the practice, would you stay the course? Ask yourself that question. Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it 20 years? How long are you willing to put in the work, whatever that work is, humbly willing to put in the work and stay the course and and really stare down those demons of doubt every single day? What I learned is that strength means you need to be strong enough to believe in yourself, even if you're the only one who believes. I took this lesson of lifting up into handstand, lifting up into headstand, and doing all these powerful strength moves. I took that off the mat, of course. This can apply in a big life lesson. But first, I want to talk about how this actually played out in my asana practice. Well, I went through periods where I felt like, yeah, yay, I can do it now. I remember the day I did my first headstand. And while it's kind of cliche to say that doing a headstand changed my life, it actually did. Because the day that I balanced in headstand, I became a different person. I could stand on my head. I could turn my world upside down and I was okay. The day I balanced on my forearms, I was a different person because I was strong enough to hold myself up there. And I had been strong enough to stay the course for two years. The day I balanced in handstand, I became a different person. The level of embodiment changed in my body. And that made me rise up to a whole different level of consciousness, awareness, and being. And I know you can learn deep and powerful lessons when you go on the journey too. So I would go through these periods where I felt like I'm making progress. I can balance and headstand. Yay. And then I try a new asana, like balancing on my forearms. Oh, boo, I can't do it. Then I would get that and I would feel, yay. So this kind of up and down and up and down and up and down. I remember one time that I was feeling quite up because I finally learned how to lift up into one of these powerful arm balances in the Ashtanga Yoga third series that was far beyond the bounds of anything I ever imagined possible would, that would be possible in my life, you know, in this lifetime. So I was doing this asana and I remember the feeling of self-satisfaction, the feeling of, look at me. Wow, I can finally do this. And maybe if you've been practicing for a little while, you know what that feels like when you feel like, I've been working at this for so long. Look at me. You want your teacher's approval in that moment. And I heard this voice from across the room. I was practicing in India with my teachers there. And I heard this voice from across the room. And the voice said, lift up. I had no idea that that voice could be talking to me because as far as I knew, I was as up as I was ever going to be. Then I heard it again a little bit more sternly, ooh, lift up. And I thought, ooh, I wonder who they're talking to. It can't be me because look at me. I'm so up over here in my little bubble of positivity. And then I heard my name, Kino, lift up. And that broke my world. And I didn't actually lift up in that moment. In fact, I came down and I probably looked pretty pathetic because my whole box crumbled. And I realized that in moments of self-satisfaction, I had decided that this is how strong I am. This is as good as it gets. This is how strong I am. This is as good as it gets. This is as strong as I'll ever be. This is as much up as I'll ever be. And I felt like I had created this little box of what I believed was possible. My teacher came over and just by saying to me, Kino, lift up. It's as though he was saying to me, 
Your box needs to expand. You need to shatter that box because what you believe is possible for yourself is limited. And what I see as possible for you is unlimited. So I sat there not understanding that more up was possible. And I looked up at my teacher and I think with, you know, deep compassion, he said, why don't you try again and lean a little forward? So a little technique. And I'll talk more about why technique is important later. But then I remember thinking, okay, I'll do this. I'll lift up. I'll be stronger. And numerous times in my relationship with my teachers in India, their message to me was, Kino, you have to be stronger over and over and over again. So that when I was feeling self-satisfied, when I was in that box of what I believed was possible, when my limits were firmly set up in place, I would hear the words, Kino, lift up. Kino, you have to be stronger. Be stronger, be stronger. It was this message, it was like getting nailed in to my head. How strong do I need to be? I thought, you know, remember what I started. I was the girl that couldn't do a push up, and now I'm doing a handstand. Why aren't you happy for me? You know, and that feeling of kind of self-pity, that feeling of wanting attention, the feeling of entitlement, it all rose up to the surface. And I thought, well, you know what? If they think I can be stronger, maybe I can. I learned, or I, I feel now that one of the main roles of a teacher is to believe in the student more than the student believes in themselves, to see possibilities and potentialities for the student beyond the bounds of what the student can see for themselves, and to hold that space for the student so that they can rise up to live up to what is an expanded potential for their life, and yeah, as well as the yoga practice too. That's definitely the experience I had with my teachers. When they asked me to be stronger, I rose up to that occasion, took a lot of practice, took my blood, sweat, and tears over many years, but because they believed in me, it allowed me to believe in myself enough to show up on the mat and try. And now, here I am, 20 years practice, more than 20 years of practice, and I gotta tell you, I'm much stronger, but I still hear that voice, Kino, you can be stronger. Kino, you can be stronger, and I know I can, and I keep working on it every single day. So, in the journey of strength, there are so many lessons to think about. Here you have the box of what you believe is possible, and I wanna share with you a really interesting story about fish. Right? So fish, beings, we're a being. Fish are also beings. So fish who are raised in an aquarium, they inhabit a little space in the aquarium and they learn the bounds of their little aquarium by banging up against the side of the aquarium walls. And they learn that they can inhabit whatever space that little aquarium is. Those fish, after some years living in that aquarium or some time living in that aquarium, if they're placed in a larger, a much larger fish tank, they will still operate within the little box of their previous former aquarium. And this is what you can think about as the box of what you believe is possible. You learn this through life experience. When you bang up against the limit and, it's in, and you learn that, hey, it didn't work, I'm only that strong, that's how strong I am, that's how strong I am, I can't be stronger than that, that's all I got. You learn to inhabit this small box of what you believe is possible. So what we're trying to do in the yoga practice is actually take our little thoughts, which are like fish swimming around in the aquarium of the mind, and just gently push them out into the infinite space of potential, into the infinite space of mind. Thoughts have no actual limits except what we think about them. What you think about yourself will create real limits for what you can achieve in your life. So if you think, this is how strong I'll be, I'm not that strong, I was never a dancer, poor me, self-pity, poor me, won't you do it for me, won't you help me, can't do it, then that is the reality that you will create. But the moment you say, I wanna try, it means you've pushed 
that little box of what you believe is possible outward by just a little bit. You've expanded your potential, expanded your mind. I believe I can try a little bit further. Hey, I think I'll do this one day. I will do this one day. You stand on the foundation of faith. Faith, which will take you further. Faith, which is born of your direct experience. Faith, which will give you energy to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, and go down that long, steady road of continual practice. So what we're here to do is to literally change our thinking, to expand the box of what we believe is possible, to stand up to those demons of doubt, and to say the words, I believe. Yes, I can. I believe. I believe in myself. I believe I'm worthy of trying. So there's another thing that comes up when you face the mountain of doubt, and that is quitting. Quitting takes many different forms. Sometimes you quit before you try. And this happens when you live in that box of what you believe is possible when that box is really, really limited. When you quit before you try, you don't even try. You just say, I'll never be able to do that. Eh, why bother trying? I remember when I was applying to schools, graduate schools and undergraduate schools, there were many schools that I dreamed of, but I didn't even bother trying because I thought, eh, they'll never accept me. Why should I even bother trying? So I didn't even know whether or not I would make it, but I quit before I tried. Now in the yoga practice, as a teacher and as a student, I see that same pattern. Some people look at an asana and just look at it and think, wow, I'll never be able to do that. Forget it, man, no way. Look at a handstand press up and you think, man, no way, I'm not even gonna try. Well, you wanna value the work that you put in and understand that it's okay that you fail, but you don't wanna quit before you try. The second, th the second place that people often quit in the practice when things get difficult. And what I've learned about difficulty is that rather than being your enemy, difficulty is your friend because it teaches you, gives you just enough kind of antagonism to push you to the next level. And this is something that you have to find when you're challenged, you rise up to the occasion. So I've heard a statistic that shares that the majority of people who quit running a marathon quit in like the very last percentage of it then there's a point in a marathon that nobody quits. And that's once you can see the finish line. But that, that pivot point right before, the, right before you can see the finish line, that's the point that the majority of people quit who are gonna quit, quit. And what happens then is you've been running for so long and you feel like, man, I've been at this for such a long time. I've been going and going and going and going and I feel totally exhausted and there's no end in sight. The infinite nature of problems, the infinite nature of challenge makes you feel overwhelmed. But what I'm telling you is that every problem, every asana, every difficulty in your yoga practice will eventually come to some light. You'll turn the corner and you'll see the finish line. So your journey of strength about quitting needs to talk to yourself. You need to learn to talk to yourself and be your own coach and say this to yourself, exactly when I wanna give up, that's when I gotta push through. Exactly when everything in me tells, this is over, this is terrible, I'm never gonna do it. When that voice starts talking to you, understand you have probably worked really hard up until that point. You've probably been really emotionally invested, meaning you put your heart and soul into what you're doing. You haven't gotten the results yet, but this means you're very, very close. So remember that, exactly when I wanna quit, exactly when I'm getting the feedback, nothing's happening, that is when I gotta push through. And you can apply this lesson into asana, you can apply this lesson into your life as well. So think about this. Here you are trying to be stronger in your practice and in your life. You're trying to change the way you inhabit your physical body. 
So this changes the way you feel, this changes the way you be in the body, and it changes the space that you inhabit in the world. There is an old gender study done on embodiment and the ratio of physical strength to uh, body mass. And there were a group of scientists who believed that women, particularly uh, you know, heterosexual, cisgender women, needed to be able to open jars and that they had the strength to open jars, but for whatever reason, they were not able to open jars, pickle jars. So in this, what I'll call the pickle jar study, a group of women, as we already did, as we already set the parameters, this is a mostly heterosexual cisgender women are brought in, given pickle jars, and they're asked to open the pickle jars. The majority of women will hold the pickle jar close to the body and try to open the pickle jar using the strength of the wrists. And no big surprise, the majority of women fail. And as is classic in the story, ask usually a strong male figure for help. Please help me. Will you open the pickle jar? I'm guilty. I've done that so many times in my life when I've been at home, whether it's a pickle jar, it's more likely a peanut butter jar for me that I'll be opening. Oh, I can't open it. And then my husband, my knight in shining armor, please open my my peanut butter jar. And he swoops into the rescue and opens my peanut butter jar. Mm. Do you know what kind of story I'm talking about? Have you done that before? Well, let's go back to this pickle jar study. So then they brought in a bunch of men, predominantly heterosexual, again, cisgender men, and asked them to open the, the, the pickle jar. Then what they found is the majority of men hold the pickle jar away from the body and apply pressure that they could see was distributed in recruiting the strength of the shoulders. They were able to open the pickle jar very easily. Oh, this is not a matter of gender. This is a matter of technique. They brought all of the women back into the study and said, and actually showed them the footage and said, okay, this is the technique. We want you not to hold the pickle jar close to the body and use your wrists like a poor damsel in distress. But what we want you to do is recruit the strength of your shoulders and apply that strength to opening the pickle jar. After which point, the majority of the women who were participants in the study could open the pickle jar. So what's the lesson for here? And what's the lesson for you in your yoga practice? Here you are and you feel like a weakling. I can't lift up, I can't jump back. Here I am, I can't do headstand. Here I am, oh, poor me, I can't do handstand. I need help, oh, I need to grab this. Oh, will you help me? Oh, please lift me up, I can't do this on my own. I'm speaking for myself here. So this is where I started off in the practice. Then you practice a little bit more and you think, yes, I can. Now your consciousness is inhabiting a different space in the body. You are alive at the level of your shoulders. You are alive at the level of your body and you change. And instead of occupying only the amount of space that's the level of the wrists, which is a very small amount of space around your body, you begin to command a a, a more expansive aura, a more expansive embodied presence. You begin to expand and and really embody the space of the shoulders, which is almost a couple of feet out from the body, which is the true kind of expansive nature of the actual human energy field. You tap into your full potential. You have changed the way you are embodied at the level of the shoulders and at the level of the body. Embodiment changes consciousness. Who are you when you're that strong? Who are you when, you're, when you're, the strength in the shoulders is, is flowing through the arms? What kind of space do you take up when you walk down the street knowing that you are that strong? What kind of space do you take up when you walk into the room knowing that that 
is the strength that rests resonantly within you. It changes the way you inhabit your body, which changes the way you show up in the world and changes the way that people will interact and respond to you. In studies of dominance, what you can see in a busy sidewalk then when people are walking down the street, it's the members of the non-dominant groups who are the first to move and give up their space. So we're looking at people walking down the sidewalk, women and minorities are the first to move out of the way. And the members of the most dominant group of culture, which you could say the white male is most unlikely to move out of the way. And, you know, we're doing yoga, we're increasing consciousness, we're trying to change that. We're not trying to, you know, have... I would say any dominant group, but we're trying to create an experience of, of true equality and true value so that we value difference and we value different, and we allow different types of people to take up the space and really value that. So you do your own work and take up the space that is rightfully yours by inhabiting the space of your shoulders. So when you lift up and you take that feeling of strength out into your life, remember, to carry that forward. If you're strong enough to stay the course for 10 years to do a handstand, are you strong enough to stay the course in your life to make your dreams come true, to work for your dreams to come true? If it takes you 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, a whole lifetime, be strong enough to believe in yourself and never give up. When I got the idea that I wanted to be a yoga teacher, people told me, no, Kino, what, what do you have to offer? You're not ready. When I wanted to make a yoga video, oh, Kino, what do you have to offer? What's so special about your voice? You're not ready. When I wanted to make a yoga video, people said, Kino, what do you have to offer? There's so many better teachers than you are. Why do you think you can do this? Kino, why do you want to write a book? There are so many people who have books out. What can you possibly add to the equation? I wanted to write a book. I wanted to make a video. I wanted to open a yoga center. I wanted to found Omstar as the world's first online yoga TV channel. And I was met with so much resistance. The lesson of staying the course through strength to believe in myself about doing a handstand, I applied that in life. So when people said to me, you can't do this, you're not a millionaire. You can't do this, you don't have any venture capital backing, you're just a yogi, it's not gonna work. I said, I believe, I believe I can do this. I believe that this will work. I believe and I'm willing to put in the work, whatever that work is. Actualizing your dreams is so much hard work. If you wanna do it, you can't snap your fingers and then boom, it's all there. You gotta put in the work. Sure, visualize, get into alignment with what is your highest potential, but be willing to put in the work. No sense of entitlement can take the place for the humble effort of just steady, calm perseverance. And in this way, you'll put in the work, you'll accomplish your dreams. When I wanted to write a book, I started out by writing a manuscript. I sent that out to over 100 book agents. I got turned down by all of them. 90 of them never wrote me back. 10 of them wrote me back and described that I wasn't, I didn't have a big enough audience. I wasn't popular enough. I wasn't famous enough. And I was a bad writer and the topic was terrible. There were all these horrible critiques. Then I thought, you know what? I'm going to try again. So I polished up the manuscript, send it around again to another 50 or 60 book agents. Uh, more wrote me back and said I wasn't ready. One believed in me and said, you know what? I see something here. I see something here. Because of that one person who believed in me, I was able to contact a publisher who I now have a wonderful relationship and I've written four books and I hope to be writing more and more for the rest of the days of my life. It takes one person to believe in you, yourself. Start off, don't give up. Start off, don't give up. My experience in life 
has been usually that that same point in the marathon where I feel like I'm not going to make it. That's exactly the point where I know I have to stay with it because I know something good is just around the corner. My hard work is about to pay off. And if I quit right there, then I'll leave with a feeling of bitterness. But if I stay the course, then I'll be able to feel the fruits of my labor. So what we have to understand in the journey of strength and we go back to Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, is that our lesson is always rooted in asana. The practice of asana is the foundation. And this is a wonderful laboratory. The body is a wonderful laboratory for you to experience the deep spiritual lessons of life and practice. So we look at Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, and we have one wonderful sutra that talks about strength, shtira sukham asanam. So shtira is the Sanskrit word meaning strength, steadiness, calmness, perseverance, the ability to remain single-pointed, and it includes the effort that you put in. Shtira, right? So we understand, oh, shtira, strength, steadiness, determination, right? The power, the effort that you put in. Then sukha. Well, what is sukha? And what's that doing there? Okay, so sukha is what you could think about pleasure, ease, flow, effortlessness, non-attachment. And then we have asana. So what Patanjali is presenting here is that asana should be the balance between shtira and sukha, between the effort that you put into the practice and the grace, flow, and ease. And I wanted to bring that up because I've talked a lot about effort and needing to expand the box of what you believe is possible, to believe in yourself, to put in that work, never give up. There's a lot of effort that's in there. However, you don't get to control when the results come. So you need to keep a heart filled with sukha, a heart filled with expectant faith and grace so that you know that whatever is meant to be that's yours is eventually going to come your way. It's eventually going to come and land in your heart and on your doorstep. And in the meanwhile, what you are tasked to do is your shtira, your strength, your steadiness, your determination. But you can't practice asana with expectations. You can practice with expectant faith. In other words, the idea that definitely whatever is meant to be will certainly come, but you can't say on this date, on this time specifically. All you can do is work and work and work and put all your heart and all your soul into all that you do with the full faith that one day when it's meant to happen, it will happen, but not a day before when it's meant to happen. By whose plan? Not your plan. Because if you plan it, that's the ego's plan. And the ego's plan will only tie you into further cycles of suffering. The ego's plan gives you the illusion of expansion, but is in fact just another chain that's meant to hold the mind into a limited view of self. Shtiram sukham asanam. Think about your asana practice. How many times have you thought that because you worked your hip openers for two months, you should be doing lotus by now. Because you did a bunch of planks, you should be doing handstand by now. It doesn't work like that. That's why we need sukha. The balance between effort and surrender. We have to feel that there's a balance here. Too much of effort, then then the softness starts to fade and we can become bitter and hard. Too much of sukha, and then we can also end up becoming delusional and feeling like, oh, everything is wonderful, everything is wonderful, I'll just wait here, all is good. And sometimes, you know, faith needs a little bit of effort to make it true. And I like to think about this, again, as kind of meeting the wonderful bounty of the universe at least halfway. So show up and put in the work with expectant faith, but not with expectations. Take this lesson onto your yoga mat. Put in the work, 
Recognize that, hey, some people, maybe they have it easier for you. I will tell you that there are people that are born with natural strength. I am not one of those people. If you're born with natural strength, hey, good for you. You can lift up easily. Now, that probably means you'll have to work harder, maybe some other poses, or maybe, you know, hard at something in your practice or in your life. There are lessons for you. But if it's difficult for you, understand this, that is the place where you have the most potential to grow, the most potential to challenge yourself, to find out who you are when things go wrong, to find out who you are when things fail, when things are difficult and challenged and you feel like nothing's going to happen. Who are you in that moment? The decision to be strong begins with a small voice of faith that says, yes, I believe in me. I'm worth it. And then you take a stand for your own worthiness. You take a stand that for your worthiness in your actions by showing up on the mat and putting the work. You take a stand for your own worthiness by showing up in your life and saying, I'm worth it. So I want to ask you right now, is there some asana in your yoga practice that you're really inspired for, but that you've quit on? Is there some place in your life that you know you want or desire to do better, but you've quit on, some place where you've quit on yourself. Think about that for a moment. Is there some place, some private dream that you haven't dared to speak out loud, some asana that you used to practice, but that you just don't anymore because you feel frustrated or irritated or you know down and dejected? Is there some quiet place where you feel, I've quit on myself. I used to believe that I could, but I don't anymore. Find that vulnerability within yourself and ask yourself, what would it take for me to believe in myself again? Am I worth it? Am I worth trying? Am I worth trying? And I want you to tune in and listen for the answer. I know the answer is yes, but I want you to hear that voice of faith from within yourself rising up and saying, yes, I'm worth it. I'm worth so much. I'm worth trying. I believe in myself. I'm going to show up. It doesn't matter whether I ever do this asana. It doesn't matter whether I ever achieve the highest and wildest dreams, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to put in the effort because I believe I'm worth it. I believe I'm worth trying. You will learn so much and grow so much along that journey to strength that the truth is, It never actually matters whether you get there one day, but it does matter that you carry that lesson of deep faith and deep strength off of the mat into your everyday life so that you can learn to find that balance between shtira and sukha. If you have too much shtira in your life, it can look like tunnel vision, and then there's no space to make course adjustments. There's no space to let in a little compassion for yourself and for others. You might be real hard on yourself in moments of failure. So remember Sukha in times when you feel that the failure is overwhelming. And remember to support yourself and understand that that which you seek is also seeking you. And you're working towards it. So trust, have faith. It's going to come in its own time. Much like a flower has its own time to bloom and can't be rushed, all you can do is create the fertile ground and give it nurturance and sustenance and sunlight and water and love with the expectation that one day it'll bloom. Sure, every now and again, there's a dud and something doesn't work out. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, maybe I'm the dud. No, you're not. Definitely not. Because here's the thing. That desire that's in your heart, that little voice that gets excited when you see a yoga posture that's really challenging, the little place inside your heart that says, I want to 
go for my dreams, whether it's writing a book or opening a restaurant or making a video or, you know, being in a really, really, really fulfilling relationship or starting a family or saving for your retirement or going on a trip to some, you know, exotic place in the world, whatever that is, whatever that dream is, it's in you for a reason. It's not random. It's been placed in your heart. It doesn't live in everyone's heart but it lives in your heart. So for the very fact that it's there means that that is kindling something in your life force. It has a reason that is for you to follow. It's part of your path. The lesson of yoga, shtiram, sukham, asanam, carry that balance between strength and grace, between shtira and sukha into your asana. And let asana not only be the physical poses, but really the seat upon which the entire activity of your life flows through. So that everything is asana in that way. Not, you know, actually, you still got to get on the mat and do your actual asanas. But to understand that every challenging moment you face in your life is like that moment when you're practicing handstand or headstand, that that is the moment of difficulty. Recognize the same patterns and really begin to expand the box of what you believe is possible so that you can occupy the space of your highest potential. I believe in you. I believe that you can accomplish so much if you just set your mind to it and have the faith it takes not to achieve it in one day, not in A to B, but to put in each step along the way. There are so many steps in the journey to strength, just as there are so many steps in the journey to success. So many people want to go from A all the way to Z, but they don't want to learn the full alphabet. So what I'm telling you here today is that the voice of Shtira means that you will, with a heart full of expectant grace and faith, be willing to put in the work and learn every single letter from A all the way to Z. So you'll put in the work, whatever the work is, no matter how long it takes. You'll do it with a happy heart full of expectant faith and joy. In moments of doubt, you'll stare down those demons of doubt and you'll fight the battle with a heart filled with love, armed with the simple words, I believe. And the path will be lit before you and the lessons of your yoga mat will transform your whole life. You will embody your highest potential. You'll see that reflected back to you in the mirror of your life and in the mirror of yourself. I hope you find that faith to keep practicing. I hope you feel that faith as a glimmer of the true light sparked within your heart and that that shines through not only in your practice, but really in every moment of your life. Be stronger. Thanks so much for joining everyone. I hope you feel a little bit of inspiration to get on the mat and keep practicing and find strength coming to you a little bit more every day. Namaste. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat 
And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit, which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.